Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest has taught conscious conflict resolution in six countries and is the author of four books. The Kid Code, 30 Second Parenting Strategies, Blessing Mistakes, Tusky's Travels, and Bullyproofing Yourself and Your Kids. Brenda Miller has been in private practice for 20 years, where she's devoted herself to helping people free themselves from upset and inner conflict in 30 seconds. Her favorite discovery has been that joy is natural for all human beings, no exceptions. She helps parents and their kids rediscover theirs by doing one of these strategies every time a negative state appears. Welcome, Brenda. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hello, Claire. Thank you so much. I just love the work that you're doing. Like um, I was thinking today about it may take a community to raise a child, but it sure takes one to support parents, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely does. We need as much support as we can get, basically. Yes. This, this, these kids don't come with these kids don't come with instruction manuals. I can tell you that for nothing. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It does. So look, wow, you, like you've done, you've dealt with conflict resolution and with the state of the world in six countries, right? And with the state of the world at the moment, like it conjures up all different pictures for me. Like, can you tell us a little bit about like your journey and and like you know, what you've been doing to get yourself to this point as such. Sure. So uh, the reason that I taught conscious conflict resolution in those countries was because I was one of the most stressed people that I ever met. And it kind of all started for me was I spent some of my formative years hiding in a cupboard. And then uh, as I got older, I um, one day someone I love attempted suicide twice, once in front of me. And, you know, that changed my life because while he was getting stitched up in the hospital, I was with him and everything that was unimportant wow. fell away. I could not believe it. Claire. How, how old were you? Like, uh, we're so going to go back and, and just so. I was about four. Hiding in a cupboard. How, hiding in a cupboard? Like, was that due to, like, you were hiding because due to, like, domestic violence situation or was that just metaphorically speaking no it was it was actual it was a very dark cupboard oh my god the bathtub uh that was very tall very dark and it was a place that i could go to that i felt like uh, even though i was scared safe. i felt somewhat safe there and uh yes i was actually hiding from a bully and a few other things but the other things were um you know i had a beautiful mom but she was she was she was diagnosed as schizophrenic. She was depressed, and she was also suffering from addiction. And honestly, wow. she was the softest person. Uh, the bully, on the other hand, wasn't very soft, and that's more what sent me to the cupboard. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, how old were you when you witnessed 
the suicide attempt. Yeah, it was that's about... Tra- that's traumatic. I think I was about 45, 40 wow. or 45 in there. Yeah. So, but, you know, it sounds really traumatic and it really was. Like, while he was getting yeah. switched up in the hospital, um, you know, I, I felt horror. I felt guilt. Like, what, what part had I played in this? I felt extreme fear. Honestly, you know, I've never... I don't know. I'm not sure what a soul is exactly. Yeah. I've experienced that, but I honestly felt like it was deeper than heartbreak. It felt more like soul break, whatever that might be to observe that. And so naturally, but I, I did go out into the world pretty stressed, but in those moments, Claire, that's what really changed my life because everything that was unimportant, as I said, it fell away and it's integral to this talk because what arrived in its place was the inability to judge, the inability to feel horror or grief or sorrow or fear. And the, the only thing I could do is speak to him from a pure place of love. Now, at the time, I did not recognize what that was. I just It just happened to me. And he experienced unconditional love. And if you can imagine in that situation, what that did for him and what that did for me. When you experience unconditional love, there's no advice it's just pure love going from one to another. And that was really wonderful because I realized later that that was my nature and I believe it to be all of our nature, although many people will never get in touch with it that deeply, especially the ones, you know, I look at our world leaders and I think they they probably won't experience the joy and things that you know that you and I experience and um, too distracted I sort of I sort of look at it and go there's too many shiny things that they're distracted by and they sort of don't do you know like and it's too there's too it's too ego based and actually I think you need to and there's only I have to say this I don't know where this came from but I think there's only one leader that I've seen that is really um, has hit the nail on the head as such from a non-ego based position as such, and that's the New South Wales, New South Wales. No, what am I talking about? New South Wales, New Zealand Premier Prime uh, Prime Minister Jacinta. Um, I can't think of her surname now. It's always good. I can Google it in a minute. But like, I I just feel as though, uh, and she's coming um, under fire at the moment, but I just feel as though she's got it sorted. It's about her country, her people. And I don't believe there's any of this egotistical. But then let's not get political already in this sort of, blimey, hello? God dear, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning for me. Um, No, uh, yeah, but I completely understand. uh, Yeah, I understand what you're saying, especially in this day and age and with everything going on in the world with the Ukraine and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's just such a shame. Such a shame. You know what I noticed? Yeah, Claire, the biggest thing for me was what I noticed as I looked at it after was I was joyfully harmless. I couldn't cause any damage to anybody, myself included. Um, And anyway, so I continued on and I noticed as a young mom, I had lost my belly laugh. Where was that? I wanted to get it back if I could. So so was this like prior? So there was this before the suicide incident as such. Yes. Um, and, And how many children do you have? I have three. We have three. Three, blimey. Yeah. Three. Um, Blimey. Okay. And so, so you were just ticking along as such, but you'd lost your joy. 
Yes. And so I started observing kids because I noticed, you know, if you sit down in a sandbox with a kid and although they have the other side, which we all know about, but if you notice them, they're not informed or they don't register skin color, body size, status in the community, the size of your house or car, or the clothes you have on. And I realized it kind of hit me like a lightning bolt that the reason they they don't notice that and they're not informed by it is because it that's not their nature. It's not natural for them to be informed by those things. It's very natural for them to be inclusive. Uh, spontaneous, creative. You know how they can play with a stick and rocks and cardboard box for hours. I know. I know. They're creative beyond words. And I realized, well, that's our nature, but where is mine? And so I set out into the world, you know, wanting to be able to to, uh, discover that if it was discoverable. I didn't know for sure, but I wanted to be able to speak to everyone for the rest of my life from that place of joyful harmlessness, if I could. Of course, I couldn't. But I did, uh, that's why I taught conscious conflict resolution in part, because I really wanted to get to the bottom of what is human suffering. And with a little maybe willingness and um, elbow grease, could we take any single upset? I'm so excited about this part. Any upset whatsoever. The child spills their cereal on the floor. They forget to take out the trash. Uh, Somebody cuts us off on the freeway or even a big trauma like most of us have experienced in our lives. Some pretty big trauma. Could we, is there a way that we could um, transform those moments into that nature that I, that I just, that I experienced? So I set out to see if that could be possible. And what I, oh, it was, I'm so fortunate. Claire, with all of those things happen, happening to me because they they guided me, informed me, gave me purpose. And where it all ended up really was, well, as a parent, I realized two things. One is we have no time. And the next one, next one is we have no strategies that will really, truly, instantly evolve us out of stress, like in 30 seconds. And yeah. Yeah. So, I decided that was no matter the size of the stress. And I had to figure out and work out how it could be um, dissolved really quickly before it detonated. Because life is definitely not, after I experienced that joyful harmlessness, I realized, wow, this is a whole different ballgame. I, I really want to be here as much, as much as I could. And here's the wonderful thing. As I slowly did each one of these strategies, and I'll share some of them with you. Yeah, that would be great. With your listeners. But the oddest thing happened. I kept being delivered back into that nature that was oh, joyfully wow. harmless, that was okay. spontaneous, that was inclusive, that was like a kid only with all the challenges of an adult. So you were like building on that as such. Every time you came up with a strategy, you were like building on that feeling, that consciousness that you, it's just such a shame that you had to go through such traumatic events to actually get to that point. But like, I love your attitude in the fact that you go, well, I'm glad I, you know, I embrace those because it's who I am today. And I do, I think they happen for a really good reason. And, and it's our choice if we want to see if we can find, like to me, honestly, Claire, if you asked me today, I would tell you each one of those is a pot of gold. I would call an upset grace and I would call the aha grace. Why? Because the upset tells me that I'm out of that nature and the aha puts me back in it. Yeah, no, I see what you I see what you're saying. And look, I I agree with you. Like if everything hadn't happened to me 
in my life as such, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Like, I, you know, it, it things just point you in that direction, I think, or things occur in your life to just push you in a certain direction and to challenge you and to grow, to, to make you grow. Um, and it doesn't feel, believe you me, these last four years haven't felt like a joyous and joyful journey. They've been a hard slog for me at times and a, a, a hard slog where I just sit there and go, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I get very similar to you losing your belly laugh as such or realizing that you lost, you've lost your belly laugh. It's, it's, it's been a journey over the last four years for me because it's, you do, you do get weighed down by the responsibilities. You know, you have a little human that you're dealing with and all the other external factors that come into your world that cause anxiety, that cause depression, that cause, um, you know, anger and frustration and all of those negative emotions that do suck the joy out of your life. Yes, don't they ever. It's, I would call those, all those things that suck the joy out of our life, as you just said, they end up being painfully perfect. Because as, oh, really? Yes, because as you just said, we wouldn't be having this conversation if you hadn't had those painful experiences. So, the, it's like there is a silver lining. It's just mm. bloody long time and painful to find it. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and you've got to sit in it as well. You've got to actually, I almost feel as though, and that's sort of what I've done over the last four years, is sit in that emotion with no distractions. So it's very easy, and I'm English, so it's very easy for me to go, right, I'm going to have a glass of wine and just, like, I'm not worry about, you know, the pain that I'm in, just going to have a glass of wine and deal with it or, you know, things like that. Or I'm just going to go out and buy clothes. I'm going to be a shopaholic and I'm going to go out and buy clothes to make me feel better in yeah. that moment, right? But that didn't solve the issue. And and having a glass of wine, and I know a lot of us being in Melbourne, the most locked down city in the world, uh, you know, we all, a lot of us were like, oh, my God, we've had a hell of a day, grab that glass of wine. But, like, it doesn't solve the issue. No, and that doesn't solve that. That's what I spent my life's work on is seeing can we solve those issues really quickly. So I love to make outrageous statements like stress is optional and then help people see how that's true for them, how they can prove it to themselves. Because my work is uh, now there's about 150 strategies to get right now relief in an upset, like in 30 seconds, it's dissolving kid chaos wow. and other chaos. Really? Yeah. And I love to show people how to do that because it's a miserable life to not be able to dissolve stress right as it appears. Well, that's true. And and when you say dissolve stress, this is parent stress as well as the kids' stress. Yes. And what I encourage parents is as you, to use the strategies. You know, they'll know many on their own already from being with you, but... Uh, I'll add some and then they can pick out what they like. And then the challenge, I think, is to remind yourself to, to use the use a strategy because the stress is familiar, but it's not normal. There's stress is normal if we're running out, out of the way of a bus. You know that whole story out of the, the way our modern day taggers are called running out of, the, out of the way of a bus or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fight, flight, or do nothing, isn't it? That's where we sit with our, you know, with our reptilian brains as such. Yes, exactly right. So, okay, so seems like your fork in the road moment as such was this 
suicide attempt because it switched on this like light in you that basically said, well, hang on a minute, you know, um, you've reached a conscious state of like all accepting as such. And I'm not sure if all accepting is the right description for it. But so how did that, how did you go from that to then these 30 second parenting strategies and, and writing, writing the, your first, it was your first book, wasn't it? The Kid Code. Yeah. So how did you go there? Um, desperation. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, um, I wanted so badly to, to, to find peace right. because there was so little of it in my life. It yeah. was like, people, I, I think I may have told you this one time. So I bought a golf counter. You know, one of those things you click, click, yes. click, click every time you swing. Well, I'm not a good golfer and I'm a terrible golfer, in fact, but I bought that for the purpose of every time I was upset, I would click it. And by noon, I'd clicked it so many times, Claire, I threw it away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. So desperation is the answer to your well, question. No, def well, definitely, definitely. And this was, was this just dealing with people or dealing with your own children or like what was that in general? Well, I had PTSD, of course. Oh, crikey. Yeah, no, you definitely would have done, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, re reflex, you know, a really bad uh, reflex reactions and so on. And uh, it was just, I got to the point of where I had to really do something. And then it was just like I got delivered on this beautiful pathway of, you know, teaching conscious conflict resolution. That started resolving a lot of my troubles. I studied under the the people who don't experience stress quite the way we do, they're you know, they're called awakened or enlightened. Oh, and right. uh, I spent quite a bit of time. Byron Katie's one example. Yeah. And, uh, and she, do you know her? No, do you know I her? don't. No, I don't actually. I know well, quite a few. But, yeah. Yeah. I'd recommend uh, having a look at her work. It's called The Work. Um, and it, it kept all of this studying, anyway, eventually delivered me to the understanding that. I've come full circle. I was a scared little kid in a closet who now writes, has written five books. Which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, okay. So what is conscious conflict resolution? Just in case people who are listening to this are going, well, that's okay, but I don't know what CCR is and I'm going to abbreviate to CCR, <laughs> okay. but I don't know what conscious, conscious conflict resolution is, but, um, yeah, so what, what is it? It means, um, well, I have two answers to this. One is okay. that it is uh, a way, it's a strategy, it's certain questions to ask yourself to see what your part in any conflict is and therefore dissolve in you what's attracted any type of conflict to you. That doesn't mean we accept bad behavior from ourselves or another. So yeah. that's my first answer. My second answer is that, um, have you ever heard of Ubuntu? It's a South African philosophy. No, okay. no, enlighten me. Okay, well, it, it is conscious conflict resolution. So I'll tell you a little quick story from one of my kids' books. And it's so uh, Tusky, who's a wise young elephant, he takes his little bit rowdy but really lovable crew on outer adventures only to discover something really remarkable about their inner selves. So, so this one day, um, Doodle Duck uh, was really mad, a mad little duck, 
because Bruce the Moose stole his lunch. So off, <laughs> off they went to South Africa to learn about Ubuntu. How do you solve this conflict? So as they arrive at the African village, they see a monkey in the center of the, of the circle of the piers. So all the um, animals are around this monkey who had stolen somebody's banana. Oh my and gosh. What there is. <laughs> so, what there is. No, no, no. There's a lot of stealing going on in this story. I'm not <laughs> sure this is good, okay? Like stealing lunches, stealing bananas. Crikey. Okay, go for it. So, yeah. So, all the animals, they spend two whole days telling Two days? Two. Oh, I'd have strung him up. <laughs> well, that's one way. One way to do it. Yeah, well, exactly. That's maybe not conscious conflict resolution, though. <laughs> and maybe not constructive because monkey will just get angry and then steal more bananas, however. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's often our first thought, isn't it? But anyway. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, but I agree with you as well because if we, if and, and I'll let you finish your story in a sec, but like if we were to look at it, from a child perspective, okay, sometimes you fair is to punish them, right? Which is to take something away, or it's to, um, or it's to um, put them in their bedroom or whatever. It's to punish them, right? Which potentially isn't resolving the issue. They're just going to go, oh well, I. They're just going to do worse, or they're just going to not listen to you. So sorry. Carry on with your banana story, right? So monkey stole the banana. <laughs> and they took two days to talk it through. Well, what they do for two days, Claire, is the all of the uh, village monkeys, they tell this one monkey who's in the center who did the wrongdoing by stealing the banana. They say every good thing that monkey has ever done or said. Wow. Okay. It's in our language. It's called restorative justice. In other words, I'll say it my way. This isn't the formal uh, definition of restorative justice, but what happens is it restores the monkey's ability to be just. It, it touches their goodness in them. And so what happens in the story is after these two days, you know, the monkey goes in crying, but he comes out really feeling good about himself and he runs up a tree and he gets bananas for the whole village. So, Okay, and I can see. Okay, and I can see that. So, sorry, I'm just going to reframe back what I'm understanding is. What you're saying is that if you actually focus on the negative, then you're going to get a negative result. But actually, if you focus on the positive and everything that somebody has done that's good, you should get. You should, unless they're like a sociopath or something, but you should get like a good result back because what you're doing is instead of saying you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad all the time, you're actually saying, okay, you did a bad thing. You made a mistake. You did a bad thing, but you're so good in all of these other ways, like focus on being good in all of these other ways and, and learn from that mistake as such. Is that, is that what you're sort of saying? That's exactly Correct. And studies show this. Like WestEd, wow. who is uh, an organization that's nonprofit, they prove things like this, that, um, you know, through studies, that if you can uh, secure them, if you can maintain their dignity and, and integrity and respect during a conflict, mm -hmm. which is what conscious conflict resolution does, it makes sure that everyone is respected and justice is done at the same time. Wow. So, 
I love, I just absolutely love, I do not know if you and I'll have time to get into all of this today, but one of my favorite things is to poke holes in the punishment paradigm. I was a punisher. I spanked my kids. I hated myself for it. And uh, well, no, I only spanked one of them, I think. But anyway, I still hated myself for it. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I've got to say my brother got spanked. I mean, I probably did get spanked, but I can't really remember. But yeah, no, I agree. My brother got spanked just the once. So I better state that otherwise my mum will murder me um that's a punishment in itself isn't it but like no 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 but like yeah no it's just the once I can't remember what so, he was even naughty for but carry on okay so so in one in poking holes in the punishment paradigm which supports this other idea that there might be another way and it'll take us a while to get there to perform something like conscious conflict resolution through Ubuntu or these other I'm going to teach blessing mistakes in a minute but the point is that um since we know, even though, okay, here, I'll say it like this, Claire. So when my kids were little, I disapproved of them uh, if they acted out. And that, so if I disapproved of them all the way to giving them a spank, I was trying to instill goodness in them. I was trying to change their behavior. But all I did was, was confirm that they're bad, they're not enough, and that they deserve to be abused. Like I, I consider my, I wouldn't say this about anybody because everybody has to work this out themselves. But exactly. I felt like an abuser yeah. by doing that. Other people will disagree with me and I want them to feel how they feel. That's good. But I'm just saying that the way I poked holes in the punishment paradigm was to see that all I was teaching him was that he, that he's bad and not enough and that he should spank when he gets older you know when he is kid and and look yeah and i agree with you look and it doesn't need to be even spanking it doesn't need to be physical it can be verbal it can be shouting at your child and and hey look you know buttons get pushed and i've done it and i you know i can put my hand up and say i have shouted at my child my child has shouted back at me exactly we all do it like that's why this podcast is called strong single and human because i'm human i can't like there are times where buttons get pushed i might have had four hours sleep you know and no yeah. justification for it but i'm human okay it's what happens same with him being tired hungry angry or whatever it's what happens but yeah i yeah i understand what you're saying um all of that verbal physical all of it would be classed as abuse nowadays so now if we think about this so if i punish the child, either verbally or give them a spank. Um, I'm saying that I'm going, I'm making them into a good person. Therefore, follow this lateral logic. I'm saying that it's good people punish others because I'm making them into a good person. So therefore, I'm a good person if I punish someone. You see the logic there? Yeah, I do. It's false, it's false logic, but this is how I love to poke holes in the punishment paradigm. And it's slow. I need to teach your audience my favorite strategy because I they need to also have this other perspective. Okay. With everything that I'm saying. So the first one is called blessing mistakes. I bring that up now because I'm talking about punishment. <laughs> we have to be really nice to ourselves if we make a parenting mistake. Okay. Okay. We really, really do. Because if we punish ourselves, then we're uh, adopting this paradigm that says, if I punish myself, I'll make myself a good person. Therefore, I'm a good person to punish myself. So this blessing mistakes, I want to 
you a story. So one day I was driving my dad's too big truck in his too small corral and I put a dent in it. And when I told him, he held his arms wide open for me to walk into for a hug. And he said to me, it doesn't matter a particle. And on that day, I learned how to give myself and others grace, not grief when a mistake was made. There honestly, Claire is magic in the message. And you can imagine a kid's face when you say to them, you matter more than the mistake. Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, you didn't want to bash his car, did you? It wasn't as though you went out to actually smash the car up. It was an accident. It was a mistake. It was. So... What I learned from that, I mean, you could, we can, there's a possibility. I mean, he showed me he could be kind instead of disapproving when a mistake was made. Yeah. By, like I, I just put a dent in his truck and he said to me, it doesn't matter a particle and opens his arms wide to me. Well, that's grace. So as I pondered that, I realized, well, part two, of course, to, is to make it right. Correct? Yeah. Like, you, we feel better. I love to ask people to just please notice this if this is true or not. When we make a mistake, isn't it much easier to admit the mistake, give myself grace over the mistake, and then make it right right away as best I can? Because it feels better to make it right than it does if I ignore it or hide it or defend it. Well, it it takes up more energy as well, I suppose, because you're ignoring it or hiding it or whatever, and you go, oh, no, it wasn't me. And the effort that it takes to hide, when actually, if you were to come out and go, yeah, sorry, I made a mistake, won't do it again try not to do it again and this is what I'm going to do about it I I completely agree with you and then that leads me to the idea and the the conversation about natural consequences so if I make a mistake and I don't make it right there's consequences obviously and the way I love to teach this is um, so if if I go out in in the rain and I don't have an umbrella I get wet so going out in the rain is the action getting wet without the umbrella getting wet is a consequence yeah. There's always a consequence attached to every single action. And I love that we can prepare ourselves for these kind of things with our kids. So we we have about 11 kid co-teachers now and uh, and how we teach our parents this is please make a list in your family about what are the natural consequences for example if you um Let's, let's use um, the child doesn't hand in an assignment. So you sit down with the child. You make this out in a list so everybody can see it and refer to it from time to time. The onus now is it it's allows for the teaching of critical thinking and conscious feeling about, so, so what really happens to me when I do this instead of going in it as I'm the victim and coming out as a mad victim? So, yeah, really. So what we do is we make you know, a few pages of things that generally can go wrong in our household. And so, for example, with the test or an assignment, I'll say. So, you actually be really honest with your kids about what really happens. What are all the natural consequences if you don't hand in that assignment? So, temporarily, you have more time. That's true. You also... That's true. Yeah. You also cause upsets with parents and teachers. That's also true. You're just telling them the truth without an emotional impact because they are responsible for their uh, their uh, actions obviously. But and it's yeah. it's true that they're going to feel stress about it. I love to I love when I get to teach kids about lying for example because <laughs> the first thing I say to them is, well, you know, you 
I wish we had a lie detector test because you'd see how, how upset you are inside and you don't notice it yet. You know, people always go, what? <laughs> but it's, that's one of the consequences that it's, if we paid more attention to the consequences, we would have time to critically think and assess and critically feel. Well, what I mean by a, a conscious feeling is, uh, pardon me, I didn't mean to say critical feeling. I meant to say conscious feeling. So it's a combination of critical thinking, all this natural consequences, what actually does happen, and then conscious feeling, which is um, the way I like to describe this, Claire, is if I take any action and I check inside myself, how am I feeling? For example, if I'm hollering, how am I feeling? If I'm telling a fib, how am I feeling? That's called conscious feeling. It's just bringing awareness to how am I feeling? If I, I'm doing something for someone without expecting anything from it, how am I feeling? So when you combine the critical thinking and the conscious feeling of something, you teach your kids these strategies so that they can be aware that there is a consequence attached and they can have time to, to figure some of this out in a really healthy way. And then the consequence always has to be, well, in my opinion only, has to be tied to the action. So the example I'd use is, so if the child gets a speeding ticket, you know, they have a driver's license, they get a speeding ticket, they pay and they lose the privilege of the car for X amount of time or whatever your honest feeling is. And here's the key. If you've got this list of natural consequences, that takes the emotion out of it. But it's like a kid contract, isn't it? To a certain extent. So where you say, like you've said, if you get a speeding ticket or you bash the car, you pay for it or, you know, and I suppose what you mean previously when you were saying about how you, how do you feel when you're doing, when you're lying as such, it could be that you're fearful of being shouted at or you're fearful of repercussions or whatever. And that's why you're lying because you've got a fear at the emotion is fear. Is that what you're meaning? Yes. And also, in speaking to that, Claire, uh, when we teach our kids to lie, because they'll be scared that we don't approve of them if they say something that we don't approve of. Yeah. And we don't mean to. We, we really don't. That's why. So, so if you find yourself making a parent, parenting mistake like disapproval, you just say, uh, I matter more than this mistake. And then you make it right. You apologize to the child. In fact, I suggest everybody put uh, stickers on their house to remind themselves in the beginning days of blessing mistakes, it becomes natural to you because it is your nature to be kind. Yeah. Until it's natural, you teach the kids how to do it. Um, and they will, oh, I promise you this, they will uh, try to avoid responsibility by saying, well, it's just a mistake. But part two of blessing mistakes is you have to make it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, love them. They're so resourceful, these kids. Um, okay, so how do you stop yourself? So I agree with everything you're saying. And I have found like I like I don't know my son knocking a cup of water over okay it was a mistake he didn't mean to do it right so but it's annoying for me right so my emotion is oh my god I've got to clear it up and all of this stuff but 
I've actually tried to turn that around because it was a mistake. He didn't mean to do it. If he'd have meant to do it, he'd have thrown it on the wall or whatever. You know, I mean, there wasn't, he did not mean to do it, right? So, but I get annoyed because then it's like, I've got to, I've got to clear it up. It'll be sticky. You know, where did it go? I've got to move the furniture, you know, to make sure I've got it all mopped up, et cetera, et cetera. But that's all about like, what the result of it is, right? The act, you know, it's the action and then I've got the rest. But that still doesn't, so I can shout at him and I can, you know, kick off and go, oh, you know, why did you do that? What's it? He can't tell me why he did it because it was an accident, right? It was a mistake. So um, I am learning and I'm going to say I'm learning because, again, that's the human being part of me, but I'm learning. But it is true. I like because it, you do sometimes <laughs> default back to what what you've what you've known all your life, right? And um, yes. I'm learning to not react straight away to whatever's occurring as such. But uh, like, but have you got any advice or any tips on how when you first start to do all of this, um, how people can sort of instead of going straight for instinct um, and the shouting or the, you know, throwing things in the air or whatever. Have, have you got any tips for people on how they can stop that? Yeah, there we go. Stop. People can't see this, but you're holding up a stop sign on the actual uh, screen in front of me. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? What tactics are there? The, the tactics, first of all, I would say you put up signs all over your house, sticky notes that say, for love's sake, bless the mistake. Don't cause a fight, make it right. Um, relationship okay. at stake, um, bless the mistake. So the, the, it's just a reminder. And you know, the interesting thing to me, Claire, is this is natural to us to be kind. How do we know that to be true? Because we feel natural when we're kind. And we, I call this strategy, what would happen if we could cause harmony instead of hollering and hostility when a mistake is made? Because the harmony feels right to us. The hollering and the hostility makes us feel awful and makes everyone else feel awful. That's how I know it's not nature. So strategies, yeah, stop myself. Um, uh, I, one, uh, Susie Lula, she's a, she's a self-care expert in the U.S. and she says, uh, I need a minute. I need a moment and then go take a moment. The way I say people to take a moment, if you're in your house and you're a mom, run and put your head in between your clothes. In your closet, that gave you a moment. And why I made that up as such a ridiculous uh, idea as a a strategy is because by the time you have your head between your clothes, your nonsense is gone. And now you're ready to talk to somebody. So this takes time, practice, uh, and is it worth it? That's the question. And to me, I've never found my dad. I used to get such a kick out of him. I called him one time and I was upset about a crisis and he said, okay, you have 15 minutes. So I sobbed and carried on. And at five minutes, he said, now you have five minutes. And and I started laughing actually because I knew he was going to teach me a lesson. And he, sure enough, he said to me, now, Brendan, you're not going to be any good to yourself or your kids if you stay upset. And it just hit me like a lightning bolt to realize, wow, that's so true. And uh not that we can get rid of them all the time. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that there are times we'll be able to catch ourselves. And when we don't, that's when we bless our mistake. So it's really, it's really a simple circular um, strategy for coming into calmness. Yeah, yeah, I have to. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It definitely, 
you have a happier child and a happier parent when you go, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, when you go, it's okay. I know it's a mistake you made. You know, it's a mistake. How can we, how can we not make that mistake again? Maybe don't put the cup on the floor beside you when you're playing your PlayStation 4. Or maybe put the cup where you can sit, you know, and actually come up with suggestions instead of going, ah, and just shouting at them. It's you just. Can, yes, Claire, you pivot into. If you get calm, you, you're coherent and you pivot into solution. And so are they, though, because they aren't like in panic, fight or flight mode or just freeze mode. They're actually in listening because they're and, – and it will take time with the kids as well yeah. because I know my son would like recall going, oh, I'm going to get told off here because I've broken something or I've done something. And then <laughs> they would be surprised. It would take a couple of minutes because he'd be surprised and go, oh, oh. Mum didn't shout at me. What did she say? <laughs> I'd have to repeat myself. But yeah, yeah. So okay. So that's so, like that's one of your strategies, isn't it? Yeah, but I have a question before we move off that one. Okay. So you agree that if we can implement this strategy, that kids will end up not being so hard on themselves and they'll have a more joyful life? Yes, I think yeah, I mean definitely. Because they're not scared of then doing stuff or they're not scared of making mistakes I think is the most important thing because I know um we have a little joke here at home it's like mistakes are my friend right so it's like yes, you know yes, exactly yes. and the an Oscar school teaches that as well like mistakes are your friends you need to learn from them so it's great because the school actually nurtures a relaxed um you know, a lax environment for the kids to actually learn because that's what they're doing when they're at school. They're learning. So you would hope that they're making a lot of mistakes. Nobody goes and reads a book and doesn't make mistakes on pronouncing the words within that book to start with, right? And like my son's in grade one, so I'm having, that's why it's in the forefront of my mind because I'm having to do the sounding out the words and all of those things, which is, oh my God, is so frustrating at times. But anyway... <laughs> Because <laughs> you can, you can, he reads a word and you go, no, that word doesn't, that word is not even on the page. Where did that come from? And it's almost like he's sort of guessing the shape of the word or he's looking at a picture or, you know, and you just go, just read the word. And then the next word that comes out of his mouth is exactly the right word, right? And you go, wait, why didn't you say that first? Like it could be in and he said out, right? And you go, but it's in buddy and out doesn't look anything like in so oh but that's my therapy over with thanks Brenda <laughs> but um but yeah no so okay um no I agree with you um we have to nurture this mistake environment I think it is not and I think when I was growing up and it's some time ago but I think when I was growing up it, I was I and me personally and this just might be my personality but I was so desperate to not make a mistake I did not want to make any mistakes in my life at all and let's face mm -hmm. it like I'm sitting here at 50 and I've made so many it's untrue but like I was so um I was almost driven to get it right the first time and that was you know that was a massive achievement for me and it's not the right who, who learns anything from that you just don't um hence hence the world's no. messed my life up a little you know not messed my life up but like messed me around a little bit so that the lessons that I wasn't learning I've, I've learned I hope and I'm sure there's plenty more to come but hey ho so that's one of your strategies you said there were hundreds 
Well, I think I have 150 or 175 right now, something like that. Oh, my gosh. So, so okay. So, what like other ones? Yes, please. Yes, please. These are all great. So, you know, if we're having a temper tantrum, this is called the, the um, tantrum tamer. Yeah. Is this us or is this the children? Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, this is us. This, okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the kids in a minute, Claire. Oh, okay. Bugger. <laughs> Bugger, but except we know that we have them. We know oh. we know we can feel, you know, any, we all know this. So anyway, let's get to how to, to, to work with those. The first thing is, let's just practically look at anger. So if you get an, an image in your mind's eye of someone who's angry, so if I don't know if your listeners are safe to close their eyes and want to do that, in their mind's eye, someone who's angry. And notice how this person thinks they're coming from a mentally superior position, mm. when in fact it's a mentally inferior position. Notice they're entitled. Notice their facial expressions. And notice that's us when we're angry. And I have good yeah. news. We don't need it anymore we, because it actually doesn't serve a great purpose. Now, many people argue with me about that. I was on a radio show not long ago and she says, my anger serves me. And I said, well, tell me how. But the, there, there's no real answer to that because if you, if you pare it down, you'll always see that you could get what you need without the anger. So I'm just going to give you some examples here. So I just described a dunce. Their actions, yeah, yeah, their their things, their words, and then their actions—they're all going to be irrational or dunce-like. So this is what I recommend, and I have one of these. You make a dunce cap, and you put it on your head. And if you can't make a dunce cap and put it on your head, you imagine the moment you get angry, I need to put the dunce cap because I am—I know that I'm going to start acting like one, and I don't want to. That oftentimes really will dissolve the anger. Why? Because the anger is not part of our nature. It's a learned, durable behavior to get us what we think we want. So and is that, do you mean like that when we get angry, we basically stop thinking, right? We get angry and all it is, is a, it, you know, we have a focus of it's about us. It's about our ego. It's about um uh, and, and our brain stops functioning because we just like blurt out whatever's like, you know, instead of actually rationally thinking and considering what we're thinking and why we're thinking it and what emotions are going on, we just blurt out everything that's actually going on to somebody who's on the other uh, other side of that, um, or even physically punching things, right? And, and, and when I split with my ex, I bought a punch bag so that I could actually do this externally from the house because there would be some frustrating times where I needed to angry times where I needed to be irrational and I needed to just punch hell out of a punching bag which is great fitness as well I have to say you know <laughs> that's what I used to tell everyone was you know I'm trying to get fit you know I'm trying to get fit but no honestly awesome. um yeah there were there were times where you know maybe I was a bit PMT as well where I'd like punch hell out of a punching bag because it I just needed to direct my anger somewhere and punching a punching bag it's like an inanimate object right so it's not actually rational is it and is that what you're saying well i'm saying that the the anger so somebody only ever can catalyze what's already inside of us they don't reach in and put anger in us 
We observe anger around when we're children. We adopt it and absorb it as a strategy that we believe is durable and will get us what we want. So it's a lot of it is in there in all of us, which is one of the things. I, half of my book called Blessing Mistakes is about how to dissolve anger because it's, yeah. it's become durable to us and it isn't. It's damaging. Why? Because it's addictive. It's toxic to the body. Everybody knows that nowadays. You just go, you know, so... So there isn't a good reason for it. And we can't help it until we can, because like you said, all that energy, it's a really strong energy. It has to come out. But here's the thing. Oh, it is. It is a strong energy. Yes, I agree Mm -hmm. with you. But there is a miracle about to happen if anybody can do this. And that is, imagine the dunce hat on immediately. The other one is a Canadian teacher teaches this one. You put a note in your pocket. It says, I don't need my raging story anymore. And every time you get angry, you pull it out and read that. That redirects the mind to being rational. Now, does it work 100% of the time? No, it does not. Because if the anger energy is too strong to be countered with these strategies, it can sometimes um, lower the amount of energy that, that's trying to express. You know, it can actually, it dissolves it. It doesn't lower it. It can dissolve some of it, sometimes not, but um, but we're a work in progress. So the, if we get angry, then the same thing. I'm I'm so sorry that I'm making the mistake of moving out of my nature and getting angry when it's I know it's not going to do me any good. I matter more than this mistake. I really do. So another one. This is for advanced people, and if you try this once, just one time you're going to be amazed at yourself that you have this kind of control to self-regulate out of anger, which is the hardest one that I've found to self-regulate out of for me. Yeah. Um, is you take yourself out, you say, I need a moment and you take yourself out of the room and you, t- I always go to the bathroom, put the toilet lid down and I sit there on that and I let the anger process itself. So, so Claire, you said you you let the energy of the anger out on the punching bag. So this is an it's this is a similar strategy. It has to dissolve because it's not our nature. It's a learned. Uh, this this is a whole another conversation, but I'll just say that we adopted and absorbed it. So, if you well, it doesn't it doesn't mean so anger isn't what enables us to if we were to go back to caveman times right anger isn't what enables us to survive we don't get angry animals or vegetables or whatever we were eating then to you don't get angry at them like it's a need we need them to actually nourish and feed ourselves but you don't get angry you don't get angry at them you just go and kill your animal if that's what you're into or you go and you know pick your berries and your vegetables and you know you go and fish for your fish but it's a skill or a tactic it's not and in fact if you were angry fishing right you probably wouldn't catch anything do you know what I mean it's because it's it is such a strong powerful emotion and and it, it's toxic to our body, as I said, that's provable oh. in science. But here's the yeah. thing, Claire, here's the difference. So the hunter who goes out to, uh, to get an animal for food, if it's done in anger, you can either do it in anger, and the opposite is you do it thanking the animal. You have gratitude. That's the feeling inside of you instead of the anger of that's going to motivate me. It's not really true that that motivates us. It's, as I said, it's a durable adoptive behavior. And or emotion. So, 
the you can imagine I've ex, I've um, given both ends of the scale there. One is where there's a complete coherence. I need the food. I go out after the animal. I'm very grateful to the animal. I find it and it's done. There's no anger. The other one is I'm very angry. I think I need this anger. I'm anger, angry that that'll move me along. And I'm angry if everything doesn't go right. And so those are the two ends of the spectrum. So you can see which one everyone would rather be. Yeah, oh, I would. Yeah, definitely. Do you yeah. have strategies for the? So that's anger within us, right? So you're talking about anger within us, which is extremely powerful. But then, do you have strategies regarding dealing with anger in other people, right? Because I would imagine, and I've look, and I, and I have been terrified with my own child, right? Because yeah. my own child especially when he was like three, four, right, had such anger and and it's learnt anger. So guess where he got that from? Um, and um, yeah, and as much as I believed I was taking my anger out of the family home, they obviously pick up on things and, you know, it's what they do. Yeah, so I was terrified at the amount of anger that a three, four-year-old was actually you know, and he was finding his feet and doing what normal, you know, toddlers and, and, you know, kindergarten kids are doing at that age as such. Very empathetic outside. And I suppose he was in his safe place with me to enable him to demonstrate and show anger. But, and that's a child. And I was fearful of his state as such. And also about what I do to calm him down and put him into a positive state. And I suppose in a way that's very similar to dealing with an angry adult as such. Admittedly, the size is a bit different. Do you have strategies? And I've gone around the houses to actually ask you, do you have strategies dealing with somebody else's anger as such? Yeah. So let's start with the kid's temper tantrum. So let's say they're in a store, they're very angry, they want what they want, or they're just out of sorts and they start screaming and having a tantrum. Since you can't put a lid on lava most of the time, um, what I recommend is we don't want two crazy people in the room. And I don't care if that's an unacceptable word. It's a good description. So um, what I recommend so that we don't get drawn into our negative nature starts coming out and making it worse or making us feel bad and then making the kid feel bad and everyone around us feel bad. So the first thing I recommend <laughs> for women, do Kegels. Why? Because it'll take your focus. This is not out of disrespect for the child having the tantrum. This is to make sure that you have a strategy that will be strong enough for you to, to not engage, not entangle, because you know the tantrum is going to get over. So in the meantime, or sing, you know, uh, recite baseball stats or any. Um, what what in Cla Claire? What would guys do in in Australia? Recite uh, soccer or football or yeah, be a, a, AFL like games. Okay. I don't know. I don't know cricket okay. scores. I'm <laughs> well, not hundred percent sure, but yeah, the guys who are listening will know. Or you can start singing a few bars silently in your head of your favorite song. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you extend, like, like my kid would go, like, off the, he would fall off the cliff if I was, like, saying it verbally out loud, because I think he would go, what the, rah! but yeah, yeah. yeah oh, no, that's yeah. why we, that's why we just stand there and stay in our own calmness. Okay, Even and internalize it 
to a certain extent in our own head. Look, and it like, God love the kids, because sometimes it is really funny watching them lose their shit, right? Um, yeah. Especially, it is, but it, like it is, because you sit there and go, oh my God, right? Like, there are those pictures on Facebook where they go, um, my child had a 10 minute temp, uh, my child had a 10 minute um, temper tantrum because, I don't know, he wanted the light off and it was off. It's, you know, stuff like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, yes. Do you know, have you ever heard of hard math? No. Okay. So hardmath.com. I'm in training to be a teacher. I'm not certified yet. So you'd want to look it up hardmath.com. Yeah. And it's a strategy that they scientifically, they put the, you know, stuff on your head and they measure oh, yeah. how long it takes you to come into coherence using breath exercises. Wow. Now, everybody knows about breath exercises. Like, just deep breathe. Well, no, and no, and no. In the middle of an upset, it's really hard to just deep breathe. But if you can catch yourself, like if you have the strategy and you can catch yourself, it's a lot easier. If you don't know what to do, then it's easy to get, you know, blown away in the wind with, with an upset. But I love their method, which is really simply you close your eyes, you imagine the breath coming into the heart area, swirling around the heart area to about the count of five on the in breath, about the count of five on the out breath. And then you get appreciation for something. You get the feeling of appreciation. Okay. Now, is this difficult when somebody's having a tantrum? Yep. It, it sure is. And it's possible. You, because it's your nature actually to be calm. So, does it take time? Yes. Maybe not for you. I don't know if it will take time or not. But for me, it did. It took time. No, it does. <laughs> no, it does. It does. But what I was doing with my son, which he then consequently did with me, was especially in lockdown, because let's face it, we spent months oh. in lockdown together. So it was like both me and him locked in the same house. 5Ks was the only place we could go external. Um to the to the to the house and we if he was getting to that point of no return it would be like right let's breathe let's calm down just hold my hands and breathe hold my hands and breathe just like and so I would be doing this to him when he got angry however god love my child he then started doing it to me. So he would see me getting hit up and frustrated. (laughs) Like like you know like I'm homeschooling my child right so um you know after you've explained the 20th time about how you write a capital A and how and what the different, you know, above the line, you know, you've drawn a line in the middle of the two sentences and you say, right, the capital A has to go above it and the little, you know, small A goes under, you know, under you know, between the two bottom lines. And I, after the 20th time, I'm like, oh my God, how can you not get this? And and like, he would go, right, mummy, mummy, hold my hands and breathe. <laughs> So, you know, God love him. So I, at least what I was teaching him was working because it sort of worked back on me. But, um, That's yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's a good, he's a good kid. Yo, that, I, I just love that because look at the influence that we have on them that and that oh. they can remind us. I, I think that's a beautiful relationship. And so yeah, the yeah. thing with kids, little kids, is you can say, okay, I see you're feeling upset. So see how you feel inside. After we teach our parents, uh, as soon as the tantrum is over, you tell the child, you love the child and you're not crazy about the tantrum because it hurts them. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't think we, I, yeah. I don't think we talk to our kids like that as much we as we should. To, because who's going to self-regulate? It's always the me. It's I'm the only one. So we need to start 
telling the child from a position of, I care about your well-being, for you to notice how you feel inside. So, it's, I think it's an important, really important factor here. And also, here's another one. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, teaches this one. So, don't think just from now to now. Or another one he teaches is, put your full attention on the in-breath. Full attention on the out-breath. And if you do that, you'll notice you can't think. So, it, it all... All it's doing is re-regulating you, self-regulating you back to your natural coherent state. So, th these strategies are wonderful. You pick the one you like, and then you really use it and use it and use it. You make post-it notes to remind yourself, I'm going to just try this. And so... And, and are all these 175-odd strategies in your kid code book or in your many books that you've got because you've written a lot now <laughs> there's there's 100 in the kid code and then the others okay. are in the in the other books i've written a lot of them are in the bully proof some of them are okay. mistakes and uh yeah some of them are in the kids books also and some are which i hope we have time to talk about is the grumpy to grateful book because that gratitude grows gray matter in our brains. The gratitude mm. has so many positive um, outcomes for us as human beings. It's quite amazing. But anyway, I want to share a couple more strategies. You know, no, yeah, share away. This is great. So when we're fighting with kids, you know, as soon as one, oh no, I want to back up, Claire. Sorry, I want okay. to tell you uh, what I call blowout prevention, like in a store with a young kid and they as soon as you get into the store, you know, you do all the things, you take the things you're allowed to take that keep them calm, but like stuffies or whatever. And, um, but one of the best strategies we've found is you involve them in a story. So, what you do is if you're about to arrive at the milk cooler, you talk about the farmer who milks the cow and the cat sitting hoping for a stream of milk, and you get the child to name the farmer, the cat, and the cow. And then you keep that story going on and on and on. How does the milk get from the store? And what do we use it for? Or almond milk, or whichever, anything you use. And then when you arrive next at the fruit, you talk about the trees and how they put the ladder up to pull the fruit off and how it tastes on your tongue and and the name of the dog that's sitting under the tree hoping for one of the pieces to drop or, or anything. But this is called blowout prevention because what if the child is engaged, they're less likely to to uh, you know, have tantrums. So that's just one of our strategies for there. And now, you know, when we're fighting with kids, and I would say this one is more for, what age would I say? I would almost say anywhere from five or six up. <clears throat> okay. Maybe even younger. I've used the strategies really successfully with four-year-olds. But anyway, how about um, this fighting with kids business? As soon as one begins, we know how we feel. So remember the stop sign. And then again, I love Susie Lula's work, the, the self-care expert. She says, how can we make this work for both of us? And this works so good, even with your ex-partner. Mm -hmm. If you start with this strategy, they will not know what hit them. How can we make this work for both of us? <laughs> because is really in our hearts, we don't want other people to hurt. If we think of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm just smiling at that comment because I'm sitting here going, yeah, it would maybe work for certain couples. 
<laughs> certain ex-partners but yeah. maybe not mine yeah. but but i i completely yeah i completely agree yes. with you uh it look yeah maybe not but claire let's let's do an experiment it might not work but but let's do an experiment and just see if it pops to your mind one time because it checkmates them. Uh, look, it, it pops to my mind a lot of the time because it's about regulating me at the end of the day. And I agree with you. Um, I can't control my, my one philosophy and my one learning over the last four years is I cannot control anyone else apart from me. I can't control my son. I can't control, you know, my ex-partner. I can't control my parents. I can't control my brother. I can't control the people I work with. Because they're their own human beings in their own right. But I can control my reaction to their reaction to me or their verbal cues, physical cues, whatever. Um, so I can control me um, and I can control how I react and what my actions are and then the consequences of my actions after that. So, so you know, um, and like you with your journey, um, that, that's the one thing. And I was a different person before I had my son, believe you me, for a lot more driven and a lot more maybe not and not as empathetic as I am now. I've learned patience or I've learned that I've got a lot of patience. But um, that's the one thing I've learned is about what I, I can change me, but I can't change anyone else around me. And so it's about actually working to be the best of me, um, the best person that I can be. Um, and let them just get on with it as such. You know, and then be the best part of somebody's day every time we can. Why? It's that proverb that says, when I help someone's boat to the shore, mine arrives too. Now, that's not always easy with an ex. But what what is easier is to begin to understand they honestly, you have to give them space to be identified because they can't do any differently, just like we can't in the moment we're, not, yes. we're identified. So how about if I back up and give them space to, to be, you know, um, to act out and keep myself, have my well-being and my child's well-being at my forefront and let them do whatever they're doing. But one thing- Completely that, agree. You know, with our kids too, I love what Rumi said. He, he said, uh, there's two lives being lived. So there's kids, the kid's life is actually their life all on their own to be lived. And we, uh, I, I was- uh, I was talking with a woman the other day who's an author, a parenting author, and she said she was uh, sharing what she thought about her, um, about parenting styles. And I really like, she said, well, there's a lawnmower style and that's where you, uh, you know, you mow everything just, and now everything's really smooth for the child and they learn no resilience. Or there's the helicopter where you hover, you know, lots of people know about these are the bulldozers where we push everybody around because we want this for our child and that for our child. But, but to do a disservice to the child is to not let them build some resilience, which we'll talk more when you and I do our, our work on bullying. And uh, yes, so yes, because I'm going to get you back to actually talk, talk about bully proofing, because I think that's really, really important. Like, I, you know, at schools have got their policies and things like that in Australia and, and I'm sure there are in the States, but like, um, yeah, it's about equipping our children to actually deal with it and ourselves as well. And you know, if you can imagine that when your child comes with a problem, if you can say to them, what can I do to help instead of imparting advice, which is normally what we do. Yeah. But if you just can a few times just say, what can I do to help? Not even ask what's wrong. 
I'll never forget, I was sitting on the back step of my office and my brother and I had the same uh, same building, different offices, and he saw me on the back step. There was a family crisis and he came out and he'd never even asked me what was wrong, Claire. He just said, what can I do to help? Wow. That was it. Wow. If we, so I began doing that to my kids. Talk about relief. I don't have to have any answers because oftentimes I don't. Yeah. And it is their life. As Rumi said, there's two lives being lived. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and I, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes we want to have such an influence over their lives, but they are, they are their own people. They are, they, you know, and they may not be like you want them to be. And my view is, well, as long as they're happy, I don't really care. You know, as long as he, as long as my child understands that he needs to live the life that he has, because he only has one, well, that we know of. Let's put it that way. That we know of. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to cover off any other, but we, but that's true. And um, you know, there's one that we know of, and who knows what journey will go on when we all, you know, co- mm-hmm. you know, cover that, um, cross that uh, inevitable uh, line as such. But um. Yeah, so, uh, and we may not go anywhere, who knows, we might just be down in the, as Ricky DeVos would say, we're down there turning to dust or whatever, but I would like to think that we went somewhere, even if it was to go in a wormhole and go to a different parallel universe. We don't know everything there is to know about the world. We didn't know about quantum physics 20 odd years ago, so, you know, like, who knows. But yeah, so um, sorry, I've just I've just got down a rabbit hole and completely interjected. So where so you were you were wanting to tell us you were wanting to tell us some other strategies. Well, so we've covered off anger. What else were you wanting to? I would cover? love. I would love to share one more that nobody will like, and then eventually you'll love it. it okay, it's called I am that, and. The first time I did this, I have to share how what happened. I didn't know if it would work with kids. My youngest granddaughter was about four years old at the time. And four of them came downstairs uh, where I was sleeping and started playing on the bed. It was early hours of the morning. I was awake when they came in. But early hours of the morning, they start playing. And then like four of them, they start fighting. So one says, you're mean to the other one. And I said, okay, hon, do you want to feel better? And they kind of all nod. There's a few tears. And I said, well, I'll show you what I do. And so uh, I said, well, I just close my eyes as soon as somebody says one of those behaviors. And then I just check to see if it's true. Uh, uh, have I behaved in a mean way? And I remember my four-year-old granddaughter, she would, she didn't really want to close her eyes. So she had her eyes open. So I opened my eyes to see if the kids all had their eyes closed. She didn't. So I blew her a kiss and then blinked at her, you know, close your eyes, hon. So she did. And I, Claire, I was so amazed that this could work on a child that young because I said, all you have to do now is every one of us are going to go see where we've been mean and see what that feels like. So we did it. The very second that we started uh, going, just looking, when was I mean? You know, like what, and then it pops to mind when I was, and it feels awful, yeah. But that's what starts to dissolve the meanness in a human being or any other behavior that's not natural. Now, most people will say to me and have that, well, I do not have every behavior. And I'm saying to you, okay, but just go see if it's true. And What you'll find is all humans have all the same behaviors. This is where I've been working for 25 years now. And uh, we do all have the same. It's just that there some are more latent in us than others. For example, now this is a really far out example, but we're all serial killers because 
uh, for me. (laughs) Well, I study them, so that's okay. Okay. I'm just obviously learning the techniques. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking something different. So I serially kill mosquitoes still. So, Oh, yeah, so do I. I And spiders. I don't like spiders. Yeah. But I do live in Australia, so there's a lot of them that kill you. (laughs) It might be a good idea. It's either you or them sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But my point here is that you can give yourself instant relief. So say your ex-partner does something really shoddy, a behavior, you give it one label or a phrase, what would be an example? So they lied. Okay. Okay. So all we do is close our eyes to give ourselves relief, never mind them. And we see, just a minute, where have I lied? Now that we know that's going to come, it's going to be easy for us to see. And when you say that, do you mean, so say, for example, say we're talking about a relationship here. So you and your partner and you, they lie to you. Do you mean that you then close your eyes and think of a time that you've lied in the partnership or lied overall? Because that's two different things. Oh, both. Okay. And also another part of this strategy is that, um, you know, in our house and in all the parents of the, you know, kid code parents, we encourage everybody in the family to stop what they're doing. And it, it's so say two people are fighting, two kids are fighting. And one says, um, you're selfish. And then the fight, the fight begins. And there are times where you let the kids work things out because they need to work things out to, to have resilience and, and peers do make a difference in our behaviors. We learn what's acceptable and what's not in a society, but you'll know when and when not to use a strategy after a period of time. And when it's time to intervene, everybody stops what they're doing and they just look and see why do we do that? Because uh, it's really great to dissolve that in yourself because what's left when you dissolve that is a peaceful human being. So, I can still do this myself today after doing it for many years. And I'm, I joyfully do it because uh, I know at the end of it, I'm going to be relaxed back into that joyfully harmless nature. That takes yeah. time. But imagine if you can give you, if your partner lies to you or your ex-partner lies to you and you go home and you're steaming and you go, just a minute, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And the, the goal is your well-being. That's my goal for you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to steam because he lied. He lied, not you. So dissolve it in it dissolve the hook, dissolve the attachment to lying, dissolve that I'm gonna get upset when they lie, dissolve that I lie, because we don't need that either. So that's just an example. And now with kids, this is a beautiful strategy to teach your family that this is how we're going to handle upsets. Because why do I why should I have to listen to your upsets? I can't think of it. But then Okay, so in in what you've just said there, I sit there and I go, but what if, especially, so not so much with children, but what if in a partnership lying is unacceptable, right? How do you then, so I I understand what you're saying about you sit in it, you take that hook away from you as such. Are you just, do you just mean you're removing that emotional hook and then you're able to, once you've done that, you're then able to step back and go, look lying is unacceptable yes and then set your boundaries that way from a space of calm and not a space of emotional oh my god you lied to me how could you lie to me and all of the outbursts that potentially there would be (laughs) potentially there would be (laughs) I say potentially because everyone's different 
Yeah, and and that often might be there right now, but over time, this will you'll start to see that this just dissolves all. You can't dissolve anything; it's not true, right? You can't dissolve yeah. the truth. Okay, and I'm saying, if you do this work for yourself, you'll be able to start seeing. Yes, I do have that in me. I am. I have behaved that way. And you know what? This is what I really encourage people to do. If you think you don't have that behavior, ask your ex partner, ask one of your kids, ask their teachers, ask a colleague. You can ask the gas station attendant if you like, or the grocery store clerk. Somebody will tell you, actually, yes, I've seen you behave that way. So, in skip that step. Give yourself yeah. instant relief. Now, I've said that these all take thirty seconds or less. Yes. Yeah. Every yeah. one of them does. Yeah. Every single wow. one of them going from chaos to calmness in 30 seconds, dissolving any uh, upsetting emotion before it detonates you because your well being is what we care about. And then you teach them to your kids. You send them out into the world well loved with these strategies that most people, honestly, Claire, are never going to know. Yeah. Because it's like being emotionally conscious. Of your and, and and this is where I refer it back to the conscious conflict resolution. It's it's you being emotionally conscious of your conflict. Yes, because because if you are emo, you know conscious of your emotional conflict internally within you, then you can deal with it. If you're not conscious of it, well, you can't really deal with something you don't know about, can you? Really? So exactly. in stepping back and doing that, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Look, Brenda, it's been fantastic talking to you. Where can people, if they want to delve and dive into this a little bit more, they want to look at your books, they want to email you or whatever, where can they actually get in contact with you? The easiest place to get a hold of me is through my website, which is thekidcode.ca. And so... C-A, is it? C-A. Yeah. C-A okay. for Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, so... There's lots of free resources on there, and I'd really encourage you to go download the Blessing Mistakes, Temper Tamper, or mm -hmm. sorry, Taming Tampers is. Have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is natural for me. <laughs> temper, what is it? Temper Tantrums, Temper yeah. Taming, whatever. Yes. yes. <laughs> God, I've only had two coffees. <laughs> you know that when yeah, the, when the that one. starts to rise, that one. Yeah. So there's there's a free downloads for parents. There's a free free class for kids called "Kids Take Back Your Life." Uh, mm -hmm. The parents should watch and see if they would like to have their child watch it. There's um, many courses for uh, for parents, and you know what I really like that I designed them. I have uh, teachers are teaching them, and I'm teaching them. Most of them are between ten and fifteen minutes long, which again mm -hmm. means that you can learn a strategy. Uh, in the time it takes to have a coffee break because again parents don't have time no I was going to say which is awesome because like we don't so you know even if it means that you're sitting there um yeah like you say having a coffee and just like you know having a break between Netflix episodes or whatever it is um, whatever <laughs> yes. you do nowadays um and in a way I sort of uh, I miss lockdown because and I'm, God, people are going to shoot me for saying that but I miss <laughs> lockdown because like I used to catch up on a load of stuff yeah <laughs> you do you just like there was not much you could do with like a 5k walking distance and like being locked into your house for like 
three months or whatever. So, you know, there was games and Play-Doh and stuff like that. But then there was Netflix, thank God. Um, what are we complaining about nowadays? I don't know. So that's cool. Look, thank you for that. Um, yeah, there, there, there is so much on your website. I, I would definitely say to people, go and have a look on your website um, and go from there. Uh, one final question. Uh, that I would love to ask you, and I ask to everyone, is if you could have a superpower, if you could have one one superpower, what would it be? I would wave a wand and everyone would live from that joyfully creative, harmless nature. Wow. Well, I think that's a... I can't fault that superpower at all. I think we definitely, can we get you that wand now? Because we're needing that desperately in this world at the moment. It's just horrendous. So, so Claire, I, I hope that I just gave everyone that wand in a, in some way. Yes, no, so do I. So do I. Look, you definitely, look, there, there are strategies that I'm already doing, but there are other ones that I'm learning about from you that are like, that are also I'm putting in place already with my child and with myself. And with my day job as well, because really? I do have a day job. Podcasting is not my day job. So, um, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Look, um, I know you've got things, you've got meetings and things like that to go to and stuff like that. So I don't want to keep you too long. But look, we'll have you back to talk about bullying and, and all of the things that surround bullying, because child suicide or suicide in general for me, bullying, drugs and alcohol abuse um, are, to me are like major and I'm hopefully a few years away from actually even having to discuss or deal with any of those. But to me, the impacts of social media, bullying and various different things like that are like so important because I have a child who's out in, you know, at school and, you know, even in the workplace, bullying is massive and and definitely in australia it's a big subject um that people are talking about regarding sexes and you know and i think there's a lot of bullying for um single dads within the workplace as well that doesn't even get discussed um that you know i think needs to be brought out into the forefront we need to have your magic wand and wave it around a bit more because um yeah, yeah. i think there's a lot of um we, we need as a as a species still to do a lot of work although we class ourselves as the superior species superior being um yeah i just think we really have lost our way in a few areas um that hopefully Hopefully, with we, people like yourself teaching us and, and making and waking us, waking our consciousness up to all of these things is actually um, going to help us going forward. So thank you. Thank you so much, Claire. No, thanks. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. I'll speak to you later. Have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember... No one's perfect and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.